New shipments, apparently, of children's pain medication will be available for retail purchase in the coming weeks, thanks to foreign supplies recently secured by Health Canada, the regulator said today. Uh, Jean-Yves Duclos, the federal health minister, said the shipments are the equivalent to months of normal supply, of uh, which is in addition to increased domestic production of these products, because there's just can't keep them in stock. Um, and we'll find out why in just a minute. Of course, we're not seeing the same kinds of shortages elsewhere. Um, apparently, we're not seeing them in different countries. So Canada last month also approved the exceptional importation of ibuprofen from the US, acetaminophen from Australia to supply hospitals and hospitals here amid the shortage. So of course, it came up in question period today, the Conservatives led off uh, QP in the House of Commons, with Pierre Polyev asking why the government allowed this shortage to get this bad, again, when other countries are not having similar issues. No other country is experiencing similar shortages as Canada is. That forces our parents to drive south of the border and buy the medications in the United States where they are abundant and in supply and bring them back here. Many people are actually hawking them with a profit back in this country. Now, I wouldn't say they were abundant, not where I was. There certainly was uh, some, but not tons. Um, the health minister, as I was mentioning, says the government has secured that new procurement of painkillers that will get them onto drugstore shelves uh, and pharmacy shelves across Canada soon. Just a few hours ago, we announced an important importation of a few months additional supply of anesthesiologics for children, which will make a big difference in the ability of children to be cared in Canada. The health minister there, Jean-Yves Duclos. Uh, now joining me now is Joel Lachkin. He's a, or Joel Lachkin rather, sorry about that, an emeritus, emeritus professor at York University's Faculty of Health, where he studies pharmaceutical policy. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Well, it's good to be with you, Ben. So uh, tell me, what, because we talked about this over the summer, there was a bunch of different issues going on where they, there was a much more widespread shortage. Uh, what's happening now and why Canada? Well, that's an interesting question. And as far as I can see, there is no really good answer. Um, as you pointed out, you can get it in the States. We were, my wife and I were in Boston last week. Our daughter is expecting a baby in early um, January. We went into a pharmacy there and had no trouble getting um, liquid Tylenol for in case that baby develops problems. Um, I don't think, as far as I know, that the um, infection rates for young children, be it from COVID, influenza, RSV, um, are any different in the U.S. than they are in Canada. So I don't know, and nobody um, that I've spoken to or read has been able to explain the, the difference. Um, so it's a good question. Um, Health Canada doesn't seem to have, at least publicly, any answers for to that question. Um, when you look at some of the, I mean, this clearly doesn't happen often. And, and again, if we go back to the summer, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but there was a shortage due to one problem at one plant in the U.S., I think in Michigan. Um, that prompted a lot of this. That seems to have ironed itself out. So there's really no good reason why Canada all of a sudden couldn't catch up as when other places did. Well, certainly other countries did catch up. Um, you mentioned that we're going to be importing um, liquid um, from Australia 
back in June or July, um, if you look at some of the stories coming out of Australian media, they had a shortage of liquid Tylenol for, for babies. Um, they seem to be have gotten over it. Um, it seems, and I say this without any inside knowledge, that Health Canada may not have taken the situation that seriously. This is actually not just from the um, past summer that we've had a problem. It goes back to April. So what's that now, seven months um, mm-hmm. that this yeah. problem has existed? Um, and we're only now getting additional uh, medications coming into the, uh, into the country. So the question is, um, did it take this long for Health Canada to negotiate for these supplies? Did they not bother negoti- looking at, into this um, a few months ago? Um, it would be nice for Health Canada to, um, to give us some information. Yes, it would be. Um, if you look at the pharmaceutical industry broadly, is this the kind of shortage that we sometimes see? Or, or what would hypothetically lie behind a shortage of anything in one country when you're not seeing it elsewhere? Um, again, it's, it would depend on a number of factors. So first of all, right. um, virtually every country, at least every Western country, Australia, the UK, Europe, the United States, it has chronic drug shortages. Not They're not the same in each country necessarily, um, and they may last different lengths of time, but drug shortages of a variety of medications have been going on for at least a decade, probably longer than that. And one of the reasons why we have these drug shortages is that for economic reasons, the drug companies have offshored the production of what's called the active pharmaceutical ingredient. This is the the stuff in medication that actually does the job. 80% of the active pharmaceutical ingredients um, come from either China or India. And that's purely for economics. Um, People are paid less there. Production costs are less there. So even when you factor in the shipping um, back to North America, Western Europe, Australia, it's still, for the companies, less expensive to make things there. And for consumers up until now, don't seem to have minded too much because if you're paying out of pocket, it's less money. Um, And if if it's prescription drugs you're talking about, um, and they're covered under on provincial drug formularies, then um, provinces are paying less for those medications. When you look, I mean, we've been reading stories about people selling these things on the black market and so on in Canada, at least. Is there uh, an element here of, I mean, uh, they've been warning against panic buying for a while, but if I was a parent or, um, of a young child, I think I'd want to have some liquid Tylenol in hand. Do you think there's people are just buying up what they see? It could well be. I mean, I don't, again, I don't have any concrete evidence of that, but if we go back to the start of the pandemic, you remember the toilet paper shortage? (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes. And people were were hoarding toilet paper because they were afraid it was going to run out. And, you know, the same thing may be happening with 
Tylenol, liquid Tylenol, liquid Advil. Um, I don't know for sure. Joel Lexchin, an emeritus professor at York University's Faculty of Health, where he studies pharmaceutical policy, is with us this half hour. We're talking about this ongoing shortage of some kids' medication in this country. Um, Health Canada announcing today a shipment that should replenish shelves somewhat, uh, and also hospitals. Last month, there was orders of uh, acetaminophen and ibuprofen from the U.S. and Australia that should help out hospitals. Uh, how long might this last? It, it sounds like it's a supply chain issue to some extent, but we don't really know, as you were mentioning earlier. How long might this last? I mean, we're right in the middle of, of obviously, a, a surge in viral infections in kids, so the timing couldn't be worse, and the demand is still high. But one would expect, like in Australia, where it's no longer flu season uh, or RSV season, that things would ease a bit. Well, hopefully they will. But this is a problem when you don't have domestic control over, um, over the products that you want. So again, if you think back to the um, to when the vaccine started to come uh, to be available, um, the um, Pfizer vaccine wasn't being um, we had trouble getting that for a while because it was being made um, in part in different parts of Europe, and there were um, problems um, with getting it exported to Canada. The um, AstraZeneca vaccine mostly was being made um, in India. And when India started to um, experience a surge in cases of COVID, they put a ban on exporting the AstraZeneca, their version of the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, so if you don't control your domestic supply, um, you're shopping around and hoping that you're going to be able to find something, but there's no guarantee. So how long is this going to have, uh, go on for? Well, um, I'd ask Johnson & Johnson, who are the ones who, um, who supply Tylenol. I'd ask um, the subsidiary of GlaxoSmithKline that supplies the um, liquid Advil. They might know, um, but they're... Again, we're relying, we're relying on foreign-controlled companies who um, are sourcing material from um, overseas. Is this something that happened um, quickly? Is this something that uh, this whole supply chain, I mean, obviously it happened over years, right, that this supply chain shifted to the way it is now. Is there, is there, a, is there an easy fix for Canada to try to reestablish a bit of resiliency when it comes to medications, not just kids' medications, but anything? Well, there, no, there's no easy fix, but there are some uh, possible fixes in the medium to longer term. So, for instance, um, one of the things we need to do is we need to identify critical medications that are made by single companies. So these are medications that are really necessary to preserve health or life. So we're talking about um, anesthetic agents so that people can have surgery. We're talking about antibiotics um, where they're the only ones that will treat a particular infection, things like that. We need a list of those things uh, that are made by a single company so that we have an idea of what may go into short supply. And then we need to start going out and finding alternative suppliers for those drugs. 
Australia is doing that. They are signing agreements with companies to maintain stocks of these kind of medications for a six-month period so that if they start to run low, they still got a reserve supply there. Um, we could cut the, we could um, negotiate with countries like Australia or the UK or countries in Western Europe where medications are being made and have some kind of a secure deal so that if one of those countries um, has a short supply, the other country agrees to, um, to sell them the medication. Um, there are a variety of solutions that are being proposed. Um, none of them is going to get us Tylenol in the supplies we need next week or even in a few months. But we've been taught a lesson here about, the, about our vulnerabilities, and we need to start doing something about that um, as soon as possible. Well, Joe, Lexgen, thank you so much for your insight on this. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for your interest in this.